Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. It has been a minute, but we're back, and I'd like to thank you all for returning to the show to listen to us talk about games and what we learned from them. So today, just for a point of reference, it's May 25th, 2023. The last episode that got published was in March of 2022. It's when I had an interview with Fred Rojas. That said, who am I? My name's Jay Strollenberg, and today I'm joined by the illuminated and wonderful Stu Gritter. Stu, how are you doing? Wow, I'm uh, I'm in shock and awe. I've never been described as illuminated before, but uh, yeah, I'll take it. Illuminated. I'll take okay. it. Okay, yeah, I'm just yeah. You technically, know, there, are... there are lights on in the room. Uh, the the sun is shining. It's yeah. I I feel illuminated. There you go. You know, there have been some changes in your life. There are decisions that you have made that are taking you further down a road to understanding gaming that I have not taken yet. <laughs> so, Let, um, well, yeah. yeah, 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 that's fair. Yeah, You know what? Uh, just for, for the listeners, let's do a bit of a check-in. Um, so I, I'll do an update on where I am, and then we can talk about where you are. So right. my, like, I, uh, for people who don't know, I've been working for a huge Fortune 500 HVAC company for, I don't know, the last six years or so. I started back when we started this podcast and I've been going strong. My emphasis nowadays is mostly project management and contract management. So like I rip apart contracts as we win them. And then I just make sure we do all the stuff we need to do uh, so that we don't get sued or lose money. And that's, that's what I've been doing. I've been really leaning into that and I'm slowly working towards getting my PMP uh, certification, like the professional project management uh, recognition. And yeah, that's really where I am. Uh, other than that, uh, it, you know, life stuff. I've got a kid. Kid gets older. I watch kid grow, and we play lots of video <laughs> games together, which is awesome. How about you, Stu? How are you doing? Well, I have... The last kind of year has disappeared on me as a result of foolishly jumping back into school. Or maybe not foolishly. I don't know. The jury's out on that yet. So I've been going to Brock. Uh, there's a master's, a Master of Arts program in game studies. It is the first year they've ever run it, so there are a lot of learning curves and uh, a lot of you know bureaucratic issues, uh, a lot of first time for everything's going on in the program, and it's it's like that's uh, whatever like it's mostly bureaucratic issues. The edu- yeah. the educational side itself, I mean, every, everyone on the faculty and staff has been incredibly helpful and. Most of the students are really good and everything. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a positive experience. Uh, it's been a little bit weird because it's the first program like it in Canada. So when people ask me what you know, oh, you're studying game design. What are you going to do with that? And it's not really a game design program. Oh, and okay. I don't really know what I'm going to do with it because there's there's <laughs> okay. no there's no precedence there, right? There aren't any jobs that are like you have to have a master of arts in game studies in order to to like be a creative lead on something. So it's, it's value is as of yet amorphous and okay. we'll see, yeah. we'll kind of see what, what happens. I really don't know. It could turn into a PhD or maybe if I do decide to start doing development again, yeah, maybe that'll just, I'll go down that road again. Okay. But, uh, just to, just to give a bit of context, like, is it, and this will be more for the eggheads, uh, in, in the audience than anything else. Is it more of the, the academic side of things or the programming side of things, or is it a marriage of both or is it the business side of things? It, it, it's sort of a marriage of 
the theoretical side and the production side. There, it's okay. it's less production because it it's at a university. It is a master's level, so there has to be, you know, a, a pretty heavy emphasis on research. Right. Uh, so it is a lot of um, kind of seeing where current academic discourse is about games, uh, current hot topics, and but inevitably you can't really talk about games without. Uh, to some degree talking about design like there are people who do who do talk about games who don't have the slightest bloody clue <laughs> about design and it's infuriating no to read what they write but there's no way okay. around that oh uh, sure <laughs> sure yeah i bet you're exposed to a bit of that because you were probably a ta this year right that too yeah um yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean on top of just and this is not you know i mean uh, video game journalism it has turned into a hell of a thing. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> in, in 2023, it is. Um, and I mean, there's there's pressure on right now as like the the bread and butter of video game journalism has almost always been briefs and reviews. And most of those can be, mm -hmm. res, uh, you know, done by robots now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is horrifying. Um, <laughs> uh, that said i i think that it's super cool i i completely supported your decision and uh yeah uh yeah we'll see <laughs> what happens happy to see you. yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm very interested to see what happens yeah i would also love the idea of you being like a professor of game studies yeah um <laughs> in like a department that marriages the de development and <laughs> academic side of things yeah yeah. Like, I think I really do believe there's room for study. I mean, we went through for both of us went through for English language and literature. Yeah. And so much of that focus was just like, here's a book really, really think about like first analyze the story, but also analyze the story in context to what the hell is happening in that place at that time when that author who is a person, a real person is writing it and think about the stuff that's happening in their life and then feel free to frame it in a context that relates to today. Right? Like there's, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to talk about a thing. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of ways to communicate the ideas that you are seeing in, especially in gaming. Like you can, you can put those lenses on everything. The question is how, how interested will everybody else be? But if like your joy is just doing that, then it doesn't really matter what other people think. Like as as long as you're enjoying what you're doing, um, yeah, and I, there's, and can eat, yeah, <laughs> you know, can, can pay the bills, you know. Yeah, there, there there is also the sense of it. It's sort of like it's sort of like advertising, where we kind of all say you know advertising doesn't work, but on some level we all know advertising does work, and it, it's sort of the same thing when you're studying any kind of any kind of art or any kind of multimedia thing where even, mm -hmm. even if you're not interested in breaking down a game, if you yourself don't want to take the time to understand what messages a game is sending you, if a super popular game kind of encodes a certain kind of ideology, it's going to make an impression on you. It's, it's kind right. of like the whole idea of uh, the kind of traits that you want to have as a person, you want to surround yourself with other people that have those traits. Like you're just going to through, you're just going to absorb it that's just how we function as humans so the stuff yep. that's going on in these games the stuff that you are engaging with is affecting you in some way shape or form so why not make an effort to understand it i agree yeah i agree uh especially if some of it is not good yeah speaking of not good in gaming 
I wanted to circle back to this. I mean, this will be our first our first episode together in I think almost two years. Yeah. When we started the podcast, uh, video game addiction had been identified by um, APA. APA. Yes, there we go. APA. Holy shit! <laughs> Should have looked up my terms before we started. Yeah, the APA. It had been recognized by the APA, and um, uh, through that had filtered out into the world and i remember at first i had sort of knee-jerked i'd even talked to like a a few like counselors and psychologists just to get a a breakdown of their opinion and take on it and i remember standing against it being like i don't think the video game addiction is a thing but you know what like uh we spend time on this planet we learn and we grow and it's a super cool process and i am now very happy uh to admit especially when you frame things like gambling mechanics and the addiction that is attached to engaging with those systems, um, and also just a higher understanding of uh, the influence of of dopamine on Mm decision-making. And the way that some games are just designed now uh, to be, like the iteration, uh, a good example of this would be, so like a Call of Duty round, a round of Fortnite, a round of League of Legends, like just these games are designed to get you out of one round into another over and over and over. And anytime you have a success, that feels really good. And that's like the dopamine kick. Um, These are all just things that are embedded in some of the most successful games that exist uh, right now. When I say successful, I mean like financially successful, not like critically successful. Um, I'm not sure. (laughs) Like, well, we'll decide how much we want to <laughs> discuss the critical successful. Like yeah. it's like, what are people playing that they're having the most fun with and what are they learning from them? But yeah, I like, I'm, I'm willing to own that. Yeah. There's a real possibility that there are some problems in the way that games are being designed. Uh, people are preying on certain types of uh, behaviors that they've been able to recognize and make money off of. And that's concerning. And it's important to recognize that moving in, right? Like I'm enthusiastic about gaming. I love gaming. I love video games. I love the art of creating video games and um, being able to entertain each other and like learning from playing games. But I'm also a little bit scared by some of the technology that goes into, into games now. And when I say technology, I mean like the, um, just the mechanics designed to either keep you in your seat playing more and more and more, or in some cases getting you to spend money. Yeah. It it's, Gaming, gaming is an interesting medium in that sense because it's the only one that, uh, it, like, as a game designer, your objective is to control the player. You're trying to influence their behavior and make them perform specific activities. And, it, right. it, you know, initially it started out in a, a bit innocuously, like playing through a game and jumping at certain points, you know, as a really rudimentary example. And then it got into uh, pumping quarters into a machine. And now it's yeah getting people hooked and i i mean ideally getting getting their credit card numbers in in your database (laughs) and and it's it's not you know necessarily a straightforward thing but it's something that people are practiced and studied at uh you know making that happen yeah yeah for anybody who's interested a little bit of what helped inform me on my opinions on this and here I'm just trying to bring the, the information up if I can. I listened to I think it was yeah it was Game Studies Study Buddies, and they mm-hmm. did two specials. I wish I had the time to read the books that they read, but I didn't. 
Uh, they had, did two specials on gambling. One was on Natasha Dow Shul's Addiction by Design. And this is all mm-hmm. about machine gambling. So like this is just about gambling in Las Vegas. Yeah. Regular old-fashioned gambling. But just um, reading that book, learning about just uh, uh, Shul's observations relating to the gambling industry, what keeps people there, what types of people engage in it, and also just the weird political dance of justifying gambling in American society as a whole, like just being like, yeah, no, it's okay. Yeah. It doesn't hurt anybody. Um, when arguably there's clear evidence that it does, but just th- there's a lot of money that goes into that narrative and that spin. Yeah. And then they, they did a follow-up episode, which was from uh, Rebecca Cassidy's vicious games, which is all about uh, sports betting in the UK so like a different huh. side of that coin, yeah. but a very real thing. Sports betting is huge yeah. right now. Yeah, like yeah. it is, it is popping up everywhere. They are a major, major advertising uh, or advertiser on most, most streaming platforms. That includes YouTube. That includes Twitch. It includes, well, gosh, basically anybody you can imagine. Yeah. Right. As you start getting into the smaller ones, they dominate those areas. Like you, you'll see those advertisements. And it's, it's very interesting. And when I say game gambling or sports gambling, like I mean like large sports events, so NFL, NBA, um, football in, in Europe, like just of any league you can imagine, mm-hmm. right? So, and it, those uh, those two episodes, so that's episode 43 and episode 44 of uh, Video Game Study Buddies, or sorry, uh, <laughs> game, game Study Study, study Buddies. Study. Yeah, really, really interesting. And it, it breaks down how gambling is slowly bleeding into video games as well. Hmm. Um, and just like scary, just the scary stuff. I mean, none of this is new. We've already talked about loot boxes. I'm going to be talking about a mobile game today. Spoilers. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, I'm old enough to recognize when maybe I was wrong about a thing or um, was not looking at the whole thing holistically. And I've had some time and I, I've taken a look around and it's, it's harder to deny. <laughs> let's put it that way yeah no I, th- I think that's i think that's fair yeah it's 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 interesting one of the things that uh one of the pieces of research that i that i see every now and then and uh, so i don't even know if research is the right word there because uh, i i haven't looked at any studies directly but it talks right. about how as a generation uh i think it's the millennial generation is playing games more than any other so the generations before and after like before the millennials, they just never really got hooked at a young age. And after the millennials, right. there's this there's this predisposition to, at the very most, watching game players more than actually playing games, which is yes. kind of like a whole weird, different kind of thing. And that's... <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, like I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of a good let's play as much as the next person mm-hmm. who enjoys let's plays. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of fascinating to me that it, it, um, it kind of, it kind of just stopped. Like at some point, whatever was hooking people, I don't know if it was like game developers kept targeting the same people and their audience grew older, and so they started making games still catering to those same people as they grew older and they kind of stopped targeting younger folks. I don't, I don't know. It's weird. I think there's also a distinct possibility that, um, and we've, we've actually talked once or twice about this, uh, which is wild because the, this hasn't gone away. The what's observed as gaming is now such a broad umbrella. Yeah. 
And there are avenues of gaming that people just aren't watching with the same level of scrutiny, right? Like console gaming, PC gaming will always have the spotlight, at least for the immediate future. But people aren't looking critically at, at the phone. mobile gaming in a way that they should. Yeah. And it is huge. Yes. It is such an enormous part of the industry. Again, spoilers, but I'm going to talk about a mobile game today. Yeah. Yeah. And like just the stats on its income for a single provider blew my mind. Blew my mind. A lot of money in mobile gaming. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know why it doesn't get more scrutiny or more. Um, oh, what's the other word for it? More policy created relating to it. Uh yeah. Right? Like, uh, and I I honestly believe it's just because policymakers who would impact this. Like, we've got people fighting over the Activision Blizzard merger. Sure. Okay. Fight over that thing. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Like, do you know what your kids are playing on their cell phones? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So weird. Uh, do you know why they want to link their, their credit cards to it? Like, or your credit card? Yeah. Uh, I've yeah. Had, yeah uh, in the time that we've been away, I've had my child actually buy stuff. And then I've been able to catch it and refund it. But like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> real um, traps and real traps for, for purchases. It's wild. And and at least you managed to refund it. Cause I know that like there are all kinds of stories about people who haven't been able to. And like, that's, that's super sketchy and yeah, super scary. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, now that we've, you know, put the fear of video games in people, let's talk about why we like them, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> How would you like to talk about your game first today? Uh, we'll close off on a on a low note <laughs> as I go into the sludge <laughs> that is mobile gaming. All right, that's fair. Yeah, well, I've been really swamped over last year, so I haven't played a ton of new stuff. Um, I've kind of dabbled in a few different things, but the game I've been playing the most and have kind of re-approached how to enjoy it has been oxygen not included wow okay yeah so yeah. so like oldie but a goodie i guess i don't know how i actually don't know how old it is at this point um i'm gonna look that up real quick it's been around it's, for a while i don't know if it was officially because you were playing it in early development i remember that i don't yeah. remember if i was still living with you or not but um, i saw you playing it so yeah it, it's uh, released officially in 2019 but yeah it was uh, it was playable in earlier versions much before that but um yeah. even uh the dlc that they released at some point which i think they called it a dlc but it was free so i don't really know how they whatever um was after Those that exist. 2019 they are things just because most people put price yeah. tags on dlc doesn't mean there can't be free dlc <laughs> no that's that, that's very true um yeah but uh yeah it it's uh for those who don't know it is a colony sim game you start with three little three little meeple they call them duplicates because you print them and like they're little clone dudes um oh that's nice yeah i didn't know that yeah and you uh they st- you just start out on some asteroid and you have to deal with their need for food and oxygen and sleep and bathrooms and that kind of thing. So you slowly scale up and it's like any other colony game. It's got like the early game where you're struggling and like anything you can get your hands on that's edible, you're like scrounging for food, uh, kind of pursuing short-term solutions to everything. And then slowly you unlock some research and you spend your mid-game kind of working towards longer term or permanent solutions to things like better better water filtration and better oxygen supply that's going to last longer and then you hit this end game period where you've established everything 
your colony is good to go. Like you don't have to worry about food or oxygen or anything like that. The colony could sustain itself as long as you want. And that's kind of one of the interesting spots for oxygen not included because that's where most colony sims break down right um where there, there's no the challenge is gone you kind of beat it and a lot of colony sims will have like some kind of luxury building it's like oh if you have ten thousand wood and ten thousand stone and ten thousand iron then you make a statue and then everybody's got five percent <laughs> more smiles and, Yay, and it's, yeah and it, yep. it feels kind of hollow sure um mm-hmm I think honorable mention to to against the storm for doing a great job of taking that end game phase away and giving you meta progression instead. It's really cool. But in oxygen not included, there are kind of like vanity projects you can pursue. So you could sure. do things like tame a volcano, for example, or make a petroleum boiler. So there are these big end game projects that it it's not just a matter of refining you know 20,000 units of steel and clicking the button to make the thing there's still big engineering projects there's still things that you have to figure out still things that you need to problem solve your way around it's not it's just not necessary and like the output okay the, yeah the output of solving that is like orders of magnitude more than what you could ever need Okay. Right. Okay. Complexity of some of these vanity projects. Is it like just playing regular Factorio or no? Uh, they, some of it's super finicky uh, with some of these projects. So, it, And sorry, uh, for everybody mm-hmm. listening who has never played Factorio, that's where like you have the opportunity to basically engage with... So it's a, it's a colony sim, but like you're the only dude. And it's actually just you're building a factory and the level of automation scales up over time. But you you continuously build things so that you can build more things. And so I'm just asking if that's the level of complexity. It's it's sort of a different thing. So in in a normal in like a normal colony in oxygen not included, you're you're dealing with like heat transfer is a big thing. So you'd be. Uh, taking some water source and cooling the water and making oxygen by splitting water and controlling the temperature of that. So you're dealing with typically temperatures that are, you know, 20 to 30 degrees uh, or like maybe up to 80. Uh, You start doing some kind of um, like steam engines, some steam turbines to handle higher heat, like transferring a lot of heat into water to make steam, to power a steam turbine, to get rid of some of that heat um but that's very different than like a, a a common vanity project would be like a petroleum boiler where normally in the game you're taking oil you pump water into oil well oil comes out you would refine it into petroleum and as a byproduct you get natural gas and like you'd be throwing a lot of electricity and effort into that or if you boil oil in this game the natural gas elements come out of the oil and you're left with petroleum so oh okay that's yeah that's fun uh oil boils at like 400 degrees or something like that so okay you, so you use lava so in, oh yeah that, yeah, that so works in, sure yeah. instead of dealing with things that you know peak at like 100 degrees now you're dealing with things that are 1500 degrees so it's not so much building materials and materials and materials and materials it's it's like 
you're working with things that are an order of magnitude different. So you have to approach the problems a little bit differently. And the byproduct, the output of that is, is very, very different. Um, like just trying to, um, trying to cool off some materials that are 110 degrees is going to run steam turbines a little bit. But if you, you know, have a big salt water ocean and you dump it into a big lake of lava, that's going to generate a little bit more steam. And it's going to be a slightly higher temperature than like 110 degrees, right? You're going to scald everything yeah. on the map. So, sure. Um, yep. Yep. So yeah, th- those kinds of projects. It's it's a different. It's something that I never engage with much before, and I'm not. Sh- okay. it, I'm not sure. sure why. I think I just generally. Okay. I generally enjoy the first two stages of that game a lot more than the end, uh, and I'm not sure why. And I, I don't know if it's. I was trying to reflect on whether or not it was because I just haven't been playing. I haven't had as much time in games over the last you know, eight months. Sure. Yeah. So I've been hesitant to start over. So instead, I'm I'm just kind of like gritting my teeth and pushing through some some of those other projects instead, and <laughs> trying to like <laughs> be like, I'm not I'm not starting over. I'm not gonna do oh, okay. it. You know. Yeah. Um, no, but, I hear you. But I but I'm I find I'm really enjoying it. Um, and it's okay. Yeah. It, so it it presents different kinds of puzzles to solve. It's different kinds of you know make believe engineering things. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been good fun. Okay. D- weird question: Is uh, four thousand degrees Celsius actually the boiling point for oil? Because that I like in terms of learning, I, I just learned something new. If that's true, um, uh, uh, um, uh, I, I think it's about four. It, it's about four hundred. I I was guessing four hundred in game. Uh, here it says. Uh, you'll see oil to start to smoke at a, around 257 degrees Celsius, but you'll have to get all the way to about 300 degrees Celsius before oil will boil. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. So um, maybe just high level, uh, some some weird things you, you took away in, in terms of learning from this game, even if it was just introspective stuff you learned about yourself. Yeah, it was mostly that kind of seeing... Oftentimes for games like this, if there's... I find I'm I'm kind of bullheadedly putting my head down and like smashing through things in a very not optimal way. In games like this, usually when there's some kind of end game struggle, especially with a game like Oxygen Not Included, where there's so many finicky mechanics and like there's a certain way that's much easier, a way that's simpler or easier mechanically to approach a given problem. Typically, I used to like go and find that. Like I would just go find a forum or whatever, like Google, okay, how, what's the easiest way to like take this cobalt volcano and extract cobalt from it without having any real problems or headaches? And for whatever reason, this, this, this run through, I haven't been doing that i haven't been looking at other ways to do things i've just been trying to figure it out on my own which is a whole different kind of interesting thing there are other problems like there's stuff that i remembered having done in previous run-throughs but the game has been updated enough that like my old ways of storing an infinite amount of food don't work anymore 
So now I have a bunch of rotten food <laughs> and it's uh -oh. off gassing and it's bad and it's a big problem, oh. whatever. But like, it's yeah. just, there's small stuff like that where, yeah, it, it's been interesting to kind of go through this game, A, at a later stage than I normally go through and B, kind of, it, it's different in the sense that I'm, I'm not kind of going and finding wikis and guides to push myself through some of these projects, but just, just trying stuff. Um, so that, that, that was, that was weird. I was kind of surprised that I was doing that because, um, I kind of, I half expected myself to be at a point where I didn't really want to struggle through gameplay at this point. Like I just, I just, I just want stuff to work, you know? Gotcha. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, apparently that, that's, that's not what I'm doing. Um, so. <laughs> okay. Okay. So cool. That was, yeah, just, uh, it was, that was a little interesting. Yeah, I um so I've seen it kind of strikes me like a uh Rimworld which is funny because Rimworld is just a sci-fi well it's I'm not going to say it's less than but it's a sci-fi version of Dwarf Fortress or I always thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. And this is just like a, a more survivalist take on that is my understanding, right? Uh, or maybe even more complex, uh, or I, just different. I, I, maybe yeah, it's not fair to compare. Yeah, I, I, I would say just, just kind of different because there's, there's like, there's no combat. There's, well, there's no, there's not really any combat to speak of, and the, the concerns you have to deal with around um, diseases. It, it's mostly, honestly, around like fluid and gas management. Is oh, okay. it, are, yeah. are I think the, the core elements of the game. Ooh. All right. Uh, scientifically realistic or no? Not bad. Like they, I, they, I mean, not really, but not bad in the sense that it's better, <laughs> you know, better, in better than In a cartoon kind of way. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's fair. Okay. Like, like they, they cool. model, um, one of the biggest things that they do a decent job of modeling is like the density of liquids and gases. So sure. different yeah. things will either float or sink in when mixed. Um, and heat transfer is a big deal. So every element has different heat conductivity and heat capacity. Yeah. So, you know, it transfers heat at a different rate with things around it, and it will take a different amount of energy to actually raise or lower the temperature of something. And those are, like, loosely modeled. So they're not, like, <laughs> like down. Right. The, the math isn't super accurate, and it's very loosely simulated. But there are things like, you know... The, that's the an differences, important concept. The differences between hydrogen and oxygen and, and carbon dioxide in the game are similar to the differences in the real world. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know what, for me, like the, the idea of heat transfer, uh, this is me putting on my HVAC company mm -hmm. hat right now, but like that shit, you, you don't really think about unless you, um, you get into engineering, uh, stuff like that. Like most people aren't really, well, engineering or some kind of trade, most people aren't really going to think Engage about with that. that. Yeah. And so to have that as like, this is the core concept of the game and they've somehow made it fun and engaging and people play it because people do talk about that game quite often. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I know at least four or five of my friends who have played it and enjoyed it. Like that, it's, that's interesting to me. Uh, that, <laughs> what's the mechanic? It's, you know, it's fluids, it's gases and a big part of it is heat transfer. Like that blows my mind yeah. just as like, uh, somebody who works in an organization that deals with like um, with entropy wheels, stuff like that, like just heat pumps, trying to make sure that the right temperature is going to the right place at the right time, like environmental controls. It's all about that. Yeah. It's all about heating, cooling, gas, vapor, humidity, 
uh, room temperature and set points, right? So like you want to make sure that the temperature is this and that the air, uh, the humidity is this. It's kind of goofy and some people <laughs> find it boring, but like because I'm in that world, I think it's really cool that there's actually a game that kind of approaches it. Yeah, and, and and I think they they use the mechanics very well too because it's not it's not just about again, it's not just about, you know, oh minus like 10 degrees is uncomfortable, 20 is great and 30 is uncomfortable. Like you, you really do deal with extremes and they have there are even options of like you can start on an ice planet where Ooh, like okay. y- yeah. you inevitably need to very quickly, you know, if you want to grow crops, you need to build uh, a very insulated room with a bunch of heaters. And if you want to water anything, you need to make sure that you're constantly keeping things from freezing. And same thing goes for planets that are just like an extremely volcanic core where you, if you want to grow plants, you need to make sure you're cooling everything down so that it's not stifled. And yeah, all of those things like exist as core mechanics from the beginning uh, before you even get into stuff like space travel where you need to cool oxygen or hydrogen down into a liquid, you know, and that that takes some effort. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, anything else you want to point out or discuss for this one? No, I I don't think so. I think yeah, it was it was just neat, kind of finally engaged with the game in its late game stages, and gotcha. yeah, I I was doing it in a way that I wasn't really expecting. Okay, okay, are you ready to move on to my game? Oh, I'm I I'm yes, bated breath. Oh my God. I am I. I will be surprised if you know what this game is, but I'm going to today. I'm going to talk about a mobile game that is now also on steam called my singing monsters. So my singing monsters was developed by big blue bubble. Uh, It was released on mobile platforms, both uh, iOS and Android back in 2012. This game is a game where you build islands of monsters. Uh, Specifically, you grow them and you breed them. And each monster is its own note. Well, a set of notes, sorry. It's its its own instrument, effectively, right? So you've got, like, monsters that tap their heads that are made out of stone that are drums. You've got monsters that have noses that are, like, flutes or trumpets. It's a music game, Stu. Yeah. It's a music game on mobile um, with a bunch of cutesy little monsters. And the only reason I know about this game is YouTube Kids algorithm. If you type monsters into it, sometimes these videos will come up. And my son found them and fell in love with the music, which is actually really good um, for a video. Well, uh, again, like I love video game music, so it's not I I recognize that I'm biased when I say for a video game. That's not fair. Like the the music is really good, uh, it's catchy, it's interesting, and this game allows you to either apply or peel back each layer of instrumentation, right? Like each mm-hmm. instrument, you can either turn it on or um, turn it off. But the core mechanic is the hatching and breeding, and where it really shows its mobile game roots is uh there are time limits on how long it takes to hatch an egg Mm -hmm. 
there is rarity for eggs. Sometimes you'll do like breeding recipes. And so like you'll, you'll get two, two monsters to engage with each other. And then like, if you're lucky, you'll get the result that you want. And then there's always the option to speed everything up with money and in-game currency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or the option to just buy some monsters outright. Your islands produce different types of currency. So they'll produce like diamond shards, which are the rare uh, in-game currency. Then there's gold, which you need to like buy other stuff um, all over. And then also there are multiple islands. So you're always working to make new, to build up those new islands, each of which is its own individual song. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a breakdown. (laughs) Like there's not a lot more to it. There is like this cool creative island where you can access the uh, the composition option for the game and you get to bring in whatever monsters you mo- want. You can decide what notes you want them to play. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, and so then you can also go in and it, it turns into like the social media event where people will come in and like upvote what you've made. Um, um, they're, the most upvoted, of course, are not anything uh, novel <laughs> or incredible compositions. Like if yeah, yeah. they're all just uh, the the closest version to a real life song. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot of the weekend music on there. Oh my! <laughs> like blinding lights comes up a lot. Uh, my son and my my wife working with my son, they were able to compose. Uh, uh, Never gonna give you up. So whether they know it or not, they're rickrolling anybody who visits that island. Oh, I think it's beautiful. really fucking funny. That's I think that is really funny. Um, and they both just like it. So like that's that's what they did. Oh, man. And they did a pretty good job. Yeah, it's so why I want to talk about this game is number one. In no world was I ever just going to stumble on this game if it wasn't for my son. Yeah. So some things that I've learned <laughs> like the uh, this game is well-marketed, well-designed, sounds good, and, like, really hits its target audience, which is kids. It does a really, really good job of it. But more specifically, and this is what I I really want to hammer home, what I'm really impressed about this game for, like, my son has always been, like, a little bit musical. He would, like, hum to himself, sing to himself and stuff. Engaging with this game, understanding the building of layers of different types of music, and the, um, just the, the different... Um, instruments like he will always just like he refers to a sound by the the monster name which is funny and then like now when he hears those sounds <laughs> yeah. out in real world he'd be like oh that sounds like this monster yeah yeah that's great um but there are like stark differences in his understanding of music as a whole since he started playing this game including like improvements in his ear for music and also his his execution of music. This is so weird to say, but like I've observed clear uh, improvements, and this is only because like I'm a I'm a shitty cover band singer like from back in the day. Like I've noticed clear improvements in his tone, um, his intonation, his timing, even pitch. Right, like it is wild. Just playing this game, engaging with it. He, he has gotten better at music as a whole. And he's like, you know, he, he still just refers to like the sounds as, as monsters. But like, did I expect that from a mobile game? Well, no, 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 not at all. But but <laughs> yeah. on, on the other hand, it, it does kind of make sense. I mean, just engaging with music in any way, shape or form is going to kind of help build those those building blocks. Um, Absolutely. Especially yeah. like ear training and stuff that's. 
that's a big, big, big part. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just funny because like, it's, um, I, you know, um, uh, maybe plays half an hour or an hour a day, um, just messing around on those islands, doing what he can do. And then he gets frustrated or he, he wants to fast track something and he tries to get me to spend a bunch of money on it. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yeah. but, uh, it is, it, it is just, it's super cool to see, just to see that level of engagement. And it's just, it's, it's the music of the game, but the game is music. Um, and it's because like, I have always loved musical composition in games, like just all of the early final fantasy stuff mm-hmm. with, uh, gosh, the composer's name, Uematsu. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, uh, especially like final fantasy four, five, six, seven chrono trigger that, uh, that soundtrack has a special place in my heart. Yeah. Even like the, like the Capcom music from street fighter two. Right, like some of those compositions are amazing. Actually, uh, old Capcom, just uh, Mega Man, Mega Man compositions from oh, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the regular Nintendo. Yeah, like even some of those blow me away. And then like you'll see instrumentation or instrumental versions of them now, like yeah. people just uh, making them real, and it it just blows it's amazing, your mind. Yeah, and it's not even modern day. Like this is a game from 2012 that is still alive and well. It is active on the the mobile environment. Let me tell you how how active it is, Stu. All right. So this is because I looked up I looked up the uh, the business side of things uh, last month, and this is only on OS. I haven't been able to find find the Android data yet. Last month, this game was downloaded three hundred k times, and it had an average revenue last month of two million on OS, <laughs> iOS, two wow. million. 12 year old game that just gets regular monthly updates. Wow. 2 million. And that's, that's yeah, hilarious like, to me. And it's because they'll open up like a new creature or they'll have a new yeah. rare version of a creature that you really like and you get attached to them because like they're cool, they're interesting, they're fun. Um, they'll carry over to different islands. Uh, you can transfer them to different islands. You can do things like there's a Coliseum. Um, where you like fight with your strongest monsters. Like it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's so much, there's yeah. so much like content creep in that game, but then it's also just trying to get this song. Like it's just trying to make this song. Yeah. What's well, interesting because I, like yeah. that, that content in that sense, it like whether you, as a company, whether they develop a new creature, that's still a creature that could probably go across all the islands or it's a new island in which case it's a new way to experience all the creatures in either case it's just like the next one small thing for the entire Um, audience so uh just because i get very interested in the stuff that my son's interested in because sometimes i want to make sure that it's safe especially Mm -hmm. when it's a mobile app Mm -hmm. i started getting into the like the the nitty-gritty of the development of this game and like the process of rolling out a new monster across the entire portfolio. So usually what they'll do is they'll introduce a monster to one or two islands a month. Okay. Um, or if they have a backlog monster, that's not on any other islands, um, but they still have the resource they'll record and release that. Um, the problem is a lot of these monsters are vocal based. So it is voice actor. That voice actor, they have to bring yeah, them yeah. back in. Yeah. So you'll notice, like, in it, this is actually kind of funny and horrible at the same time. 
And this, again, not a knock on uh, Big Blue Bubble. You don't have an enviable position at all. I can't imagine trying to bring the same voice actor back over and over and over again, even though I think that that is awesome to have that consistent yeah, um, yeah, yeah. consistent um, financial relationship. Like, if that person decides right. they want to play hardball and try to get way more money from you, that's a very hard choice. Yeah, That's a hard choice as a developer to make. That said, like just what will happen if they introduce uh, monsters that have too much complexity, like musical complexity, um, is they will create extended tracks. So then the song that is the island grows. So the island song becomes longer. Oh, um, There's additional composition that happens and you have to bring everybody who may have been part of that sound back to back do it. Into that. But... I mean, if you're making two million, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, yeah. Uh, two million a month just on iOS. Yeah, uh, I think like, you can afford to pay a couple voice actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, wild. Yeah, but also the community around this game is like it. It seems small, but clearly it's not. Um, it's just it's such a niche thing. And again, like the attention that gets paid to mobile gaming versus like uh console PC gaming is just so different. And so like this, like this is just regular people who stumble on this thing and then fall in love with it. Right. Well, yeah. Like yeah. one of their number one fans, I think is a, is a 50 year old woman from, um, I don't know, like London Windsor area in Ontario. Um, and like, actually, oh, sorry, I just hit my, yeah. Big Blue Bubble is based out of Ontario. They're owned by Enid Global 7, which is like this huge yeah, Swedish company. Yeah. Uh, they also own like Daybreak and stuff. But like, oh, that company also owns Piranha, who did uh, the um, the MechWarrior games. But yeah, that's, huh. uh, it's just, it's interesting. Like, I, I'm happy to know that there's this type of development happening locally. Um, but, but also like... Like I, 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 yeah, I team big blue bubble team respect what you're doing, but also that mobile aspect of it. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, it's, it's super interesting (laughs) because like it's, they, they did this perfect job of creating something that on the surface is going to appeal to kids. But then after spending 10 minutes on it, like who, you know, everyone who has kids who, who doesn't like want a little bit of control over some music right you spend so much when you're raising kids you spend so much of your time with like tvs on with friggin baby shark or you know like yes yeah yeah. Yeah. so so to to you know basically your kids are going to introduce you to this thing and it's going to be satisfying as an adult and like it's almost like they created this composition tool to targeted at adults and then they use the cartoony uh introduction as like to to attract kids as a vector to get parents yep it's super super well done (laughs) yeah so i was i was playing this with my wife and my son so the three of us we had what's referred to as a little tribe because it's a mobile game and of course you make a guild and you're sharing shit with your friends and something really interesting happened while I was playing this game. Do you know what it was? It was Meta losing 75% of their stock price. Oh, wow. And this is something that's had resounding effects on some of the things um, that I have enjoyed over time, mm. including I can't log into Podbean anymore 
easily because it was linked to Facebook. And now uh, that option is just gone. I see. Yeah. So there are hurdles I have to, but also I can't log into my singing monsters anymore because I linked it to my Facebook because my son's account was already linked to my Gmail. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like I just, I just have a bunch of stuff that I can't engage with anymore. And because like entire divisions of meta were just axed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't been able to play this game since March, I think. Uh, which is so wild. Now, Big Blue Bubble has has worked very hard to accommodate other players to migrate your account to your like to your own personal Big Blue Bubble yeah, account, yeah, right? Yeah. So that you no longer have to log in through through Facebook. But that's still an issue for me because even when I log in as a guest, it defaults to my son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so unless I want to jeopardize my son's island, which I don't, I've just reconciled the fact that I can no longer play with yeah. even my son. Yeah. Like it's just done. Um, unless I get an I um an uh, yeah an an Apple device, which I'm not going to do. Yeah. No offense to Apple users, I'm just not that. Uh, yeah. So just uh, that's an example of a game I can never go back to. <laughs> <laughs> I can watch other people play, but I can never touch it again. Well, it's um, it's it's interesting. It's it's interesting too, just because like if you Google it, Steam is yep. the sixth link down, and yes. that's not common. But but also also Steam is not crossplay. I learned this the hard way because I tried creating a oh. Steam account, and I could not engage with my son or my wife. Um, I do have a steam account for my singing monsters. Uh, you can look on my steam. I, I clearly engaged with it for a little bit, but yeah, I, um, I guess I could just play by myself. It's interesting hmm. too. I'll think about that. Maybe <laughs> then it, yeah. What's the point? Cause I'm not engaging with it. Yeah. 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 It's like a community thing, right? Sorry. Uh, I know I realize we're getting into a bit of a rabbit hole, but like I learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> I learned so much like about this game, about the developers. Um, it was really super cool to watch it have a direct impact on my, yeah. my son's understanding yeah, of yeah. music. He continues to sing and like hum and uh, do all the things with the song to this, to this day. Like both my wife and I have engaged with it actively, you know, come back to it. We both mostly approve of it. Uh, the merchandising's cool and it's local for us. Like it's local. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's kind of a weird success story. There's not a lot I don't like about it aside from just some of the more icky mobile aspects of it. But even then, like I respect the fact that they got to make money. Right. And, but also they're also very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> like Clearly very good at it. So, um, and like, that's, that was March, <laughs> like 2 million <laughs> in March, yeah. like an off month. There's nothing going on in March. That's just so funny to me. I wonder how. Um, did, I mean, unless it was those are April numbers because they did have an Easter event. So, do you happen to know how big the company is? It's ninety six employees. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, ninety six employees. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, like you can the. I think like the the income spread for that organization is probably, on average, you'd be about like seventy thousand to one hundred and fifty before like the big admins, right? Depending on the job, yeah. Um, but that's U.S. The two million is U.S., not Canadian. Oh, so it's like forty-seven million. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah, I mean that's really all I've got to say about it. I mean another like hmm. funny side note uh, in terms of like video game music. This isn't video game music, but like my son loves the Peaches song 
that Jack Black does for for Bowser. <laughs> yeah. Like he just, I can't go anywhere in this fucking house without being like peaches, 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 peaches. I'm just nice. like, okay, cool. I'm, I, I mean, I'm okay with it. Like yeah. it's a catchy song. Yeah. Good job, Jack Black. But oh man, video. Also, is it just me or is 2023 like a good year for games outside of gaming? Like um, Last of Us really started knocking things out of the park uh, for HBO. I, d- I don't expect yeah. you to have watched it. I realize you have other obligations right now. But like, what a great adaptation. Um, I, I encourage you to, like, if you care about, you know, uh, soul-crushing apocalypse representations, <laughs> yeah, definitely check it out. And then we got, like, this really, really wonderful Mario movie, which I recognize some some critics have been tying themselves into pretzel shapes to try and say bad things about but clearly it resonates with an audience because hmm. like that that movie is making bank yeah people are going to the theater yeah <laughs> to see it yeah right gamers of all um, people are going to the theater <laughs> yeah with their kids <laughs> gamers of all people yeah yeah okay well hey here we are uh got through your game got through my game do you have any questions for me about my singing monsters um i'm, I'm curious about the vectoring in the sense that like was it something that was it supervised engagement right from the get-go or no okay uh elaborate on that break it down for me um so how did it first weasel its way onto a device in your household okay so again this was all through either it was either creator made videos on the content because there were a few youtube creators who talked about it or just through videos of the island. So like videos from big blue bubble okay. where they just yeah. focus on, on the monsters because there are what over 10, 11, like there are 11 years worth of promotional videos on YouTube yeah. of just them building up these islands. So like, it'll just be the monsters hanging out. And then like a new monster shows up and they all celebrate and make their sounds and do whatever. Or it's like the actual, the staff, like the promotion and communication staff, like releasing advertising videos effectively, but it, it's like them dressed up in like um, Explorer hats and stuff, just engaging with the monsters yeah. in the game. And that's just out there, right? And my kid, we we learned some hard lessons about uh, full YouTube. He can only access kids YouTube right now, and that will be the case until he is much, much older. <laughs> yeah. But you type monster in because he loves monsters of all kinds, like even stuff he, he probably shouldn't be exposed to yet, but he really, really finds it interesting. Mm-hmm. And this showed up and it it just had an appeal. So he clicked on it. And then once he started understanding what it was, he continued to act, like he knows how to spell. So he would just put in my singing monsters. He found a creator who was playing the game, figured out it was a game and then just asked us to download it. So we, we gave it a shot, checked it out, made sure it was OK. And um that's that's how it happened like it's yeah it was on youtube thanks algorithm yeah (laughs) yeah like and it it clearly it works yeah yeah, um yeah right i haven't seen this advertised anywhere else i would not have encountered it any other way there's no way in my life i would have encountered this game any other way yeah especially not from your steam suggestions you got nothing but hentai on there right yeah yep Mm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> hentai and 4x man yeah yeah the 3x and 4x all the x's <laughs> except for the one 
fuck you, Ten. Roman numeral. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm what sure. I'm sure there's a Ten game. No, even Final Fantasy Ten. That wasn't worth anything, was it? It's probably the only oh, the, the only Ten I could think of. How dare you, sir? Final Fantasy Ten is a piece of art. Oh, that's that's the one All with right. Titus, right? Uh, it's, ah, okay, ah, so yeah, it's, it's ah, the one. Ah, yeah, yeah, it is a yeah. it is a piece of art. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, in terms of story, I mean, they're really, really re rehashing stuff with uh, number seven and just being super meta with it, which I think is fun. And then there's Final Fantasy fourteen. We don't talk about Final Fantasy fourteen, but uh, oh. okay. Yeah, there's, well, no, we can't talk about Final Fantasy fourteen again. Uh, there's never been a game that I've been so happy to just say, yeah. Once you get a hundred hours in, it's it really, really, really gets uh, better. Yeah, once you get past the main <laughs> menu, oh, it really gets good. How the hell do you ever sell that? And yet that game. I mean, I think subs are way, way down, but that's just because we're like two a uh, year and a half in from the last expansion. Yeah, but yeah. God, I would go back to that game in a second if I had no life. I, I do really, really enjoy Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, cool. Okay, we're going down rabbit holes yeah, now. Yeah. Um, and we do have to let you know what we got a little bit of we got a little bit of runway. Um, how about we continue talking for about another ten to fifteen minutes, and we, then we shut it down. So, just because I'm interested in your life, and this is actually just <laughs> us talking to each other for some in a while. <laughs> yeah. Are you playing anything else aside from Oxygen Not Included? I gave a. I know a bunch of people that are going to be playing Diablo 4, so I did the open beta. Yeah. Uh, I had two big takeaways from that, mm-hmm. and that was, number one, I strongly dislike the way they're doing skills. Okay. Um, as it stands, my understanding of it is that uh, there are like legendary items that drastically alter the way your skills work. And so you have to get lucky to find those items. Sure. And on the, the other side of the coin is your skill tree where you level up and as your character gains experience, you put skill points into skills. And those skill points, for the most part, are things like plus 10% more damage or 25% more area. Like they're, they're, they make a skill better, but it's not impactful to the gameplay. And uh, sure, and yeah. Th- okay. Those things are really, really backwards to me. Okay. And I, I find that that frustrating and irritating because the things like, it's kind of like uh, there is one item. The one that stood out in my mind was the sorceress, wizard, mage. I don't know what the class name is, but they have the sorcerer. Sorcerer. Yeah. I, I know who you mean. Yeah, the magic. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Um, they have a hydra spell. Uh, it creates little f- fire snake head dudes that spit fireballs at people. Yep. And you can only have one of them up at a time. But if you find this legendary item, you can have two of them up at the time. Okay. So sure. to me, the problem is that if you want to dabble in a skill, if you just want to experiment and play around, if you don't have that legendary item, it's not going to feel good. So because it's it's not going to do enough damage. The game is balanced around you having those legendary items. So it's going to be hard to even just try out different builds and see if you like a play style unless you have those legendary items. And to me, that's that's okay. backwards. You should be able to use your character skill points to invest in something and try, is this an interesting build? Do I like using these skills or not? And now that's requires you to get lucky finding an item. And that, that feels crappy to me. 
Um, the the upside, the thing I did like was the add of a dodge button. I didn't think I was going to like that, and I did because it means you don't have to spec into a transportation skill if you don't want to because otherwise it's right. mandatory in a game like that. Like every boss is going to put a big red circle on the ground and if you stand in that you're going to die so you teleport out of it and yep. now you don't need teleport because you have dodge so right yeah teleport or blood mist or whatever. a jump or whatever the, yeah. hell the rogue gets yeah. um yeah okay so interesting interesting observations while i loosely agree the item giving you that extra thing or that extra ability. A lot of that was the same in Diablo three though, right? Like you, you would have those end game legendaries that just drastically alter or impact the performance of your abilities. As I recall, um, that said my personal experience with the game, just playing Diablo four, I just decided. So I played through two characters cause I, I got to play both um, uh, open weekends because I bought the game. Um, so first weekend I played as the sorcerer and I just leaned heavy into lightning and I leveled all the way through the game into lightning, just um, focusing on like a couple of uh, abilities. I think like the basic lightning spell and then chain lightning. I didn't even bother with thunderbolts or, um, or lightning balls or anything like that. I just wanted to see, okay, if I want to do like really, um, really simplistic two button, two button Diablo, can I pull it mm. off? And I could. Um, and it felt really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I just specced for that, right? And then then I was like, okay, well, uh, this uh, the, for the second one, like I specced for it and I was pretty successful with it as long as I was playing with my, uh, my brother who was a rogue and then we'd set up all kinds of traps and do like absurd amounts of damage. Like we were having a really good time. Then the second time around, I wasn't able to sync up with my brother as much. Um, but I knew that I'd wanted to play the necromancer really bad because it sounded like there was a lot of complexity there. There was going to be the book of the dead, which is like this extra layer of skills. Uh, there was just the regular skills. And then I wanted to be, to be like a mass summoner. I wanted to have like a bunch of crap on the board that came in, mm -hmm. just basically kept the big stuff away from me or was able to distract it while I did whatever I was doing. And what I figured out when I played the necromancer was there are so many different ways to play that character that I didn't really care about the items that were dropping. And I realized hmm. that by end game, maybe you will, but I think that initial progression is not going to be so bad. You're going to be able to just spec with what you want. And then it's going to be that end game where suddenly you're getting drops. And if it's not like the improvement that you want, um, it might be a bit of a bummer. And I'm going to say that reminds me a lot of Diablo 3. And I'm worried that maybe there'll be a little bit of that there. But we still played the shit out of Endgame Diablo 3, right? Especially once they got the um, the instance, or what the heck, the portals, whatever the hell that was. Um, rifts, probably? Yeah, the rifts. Once rifts were introduced, I remember we were playing that for, what, at least three to four months. Yeah. Which is a big chunk of time for gamers. I, yeah, like for the Necromancer, I just, I did like mass skeletons and then uh, a debuff. Uh, so like cursing and then a second debuff, that like an area AOE small damage debuff okay. yeah uh, that like hurts the armor. And I just ripped through everything. 
<laughs> again, it was really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like really, really satisfying. And I, like, I didn't take the approach that other people were taking. Like, some people were like, I guess you can do like a necromancer where you lock your your summons and you just become incredibly tanky and and can do a bunch of damage like just melee and then you have like a couple damage spells i I didn't try that but it's weird that that's an option also kind of cool that it's an option yeah um my i don't i don't know like i feel like there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of different builds i recognize that you get one piece of gear and that might start to influence your decision but there's so there's so much game there. Like even just the world map we had. And my understanding is there's going to be four other zones, right? Like I, yeah. I, I recognize maybe we weren't, sp- and even like that part of the map, we didn't have access to all of it. Right. Yeah. The, the, um, the, the map, the map design was, I, I, I had a small qualm with just okay. in terms of, it felt weird to be like, it felt like an MMO map. Oh, like that the, game's an MMO. Yeah, yeah. Like that game is one hundred percent an MMO. And yeah. like with with enemies kind of scattered around, and then like little pieces of like iron, like metal nodes <laughs> and flowers and shit to pick. I'm like, I, 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 to me, that's like, that's detracting from the Diablo experience that I would want. You know, that's, sure. That that but that's also not for that's, me. But like that's the WoW devs that are uh, still with blizzard that just are just trying to get a little bit of what they were doing before yeah. <laughs> to yeah. their game right like oh man uh what it's okay it, 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 my, my person sorry go ahead no i i'm gonna tangent out so go ahead okay yeah um i was impressed for a game that's coming out of blizzard in like 2022 2023 I mean, uh, Immortal, if you look at the the numbers, it's actually doing incredibly well. So Diablo yeah. Immortal, which is the mobile game, it's it's doing well. But um, in terms of quality of game, after knowing that Blizzard had basically many of its its employees had gotten an axe or like were always just getting shuffled over to support Call of Duty, I was still like surprisingly impressed. Am I in any way surprised at where the story is going for that one? Not really. It kind of seems like it's a demon redemption. Lilith might be a good guy sort of thing, just like WoW. And that's not a spoilers. That's not a spoiler, folks. Like, if it's just kind of seems like maybe that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. I would love to be surprised by uh, the Diablo story. Do yeah. I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Yeah. But also, you don't just come for the story yeah. anymore, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, I wish we could, because some of the Diablo lore is interesting, but man yes yeah man some of it's just so badly written it it <laughs> may it, it like it makes me cringe sometimes well but. i mean you know writers are some of the lowest paid yeah <laughs> folks on the well, I, I, right? they probably didn't have half of that script written until the day before the freaking open beta anyway so who knows yeah <laughs> um uh, but okay, but I, I, I w- feel free to tangent. Yeah, out I, I was going to say that part of part of that was colored because I had spent a bit of time playing Last Epoch. Yes, and Last Epoch is another ARPG, and I think it strikes an excellent balance between the simplicity of Diablo three and the concussion-inducing complexity of Path of Exile. <laughs> okay great uh, <laughs> yeah and when you say the simplicity of diablo 3 you mean like late development diablo 3 so like right near the end of its well, i mean i realize it's still going but like the best parts of diablo 3 well like right? well like it's so like leveling up in diablo 3 is super simple 
there's not much choice. Um, you know, your, your skills have a couple of different runes to pick from. You pick a few different skills, and like that's kind of it, right? It's not a ton yes. of meaningful choices in there compared to the Path of Exile skill tree, which you need to have like nine weeks straight uh, of, of time spent focusing on this bloody skill tree to understand what half of it means. You know, yeah. It, yeah. and same with the crafting system, right? In Diablo 3, it's like, oh, you take one line of that item and turn it into something else. Like, th there's not much to that. The Path of Exile crafting, like, uh, again, it's you'd have an easier time explaining, you know, it's seven gig of Excel sheets related to Eve online. Like, it's just, it, it, it's but, so yeah. much. Like, I don't know how to do anything in Path of Exile with the crafting because it's just, it's like you have seven stash tabs full of crafting materials and all of them do something kind <laughs> of different in kind of different ways and it's all meaningless yeah. and last last epoch is very has very approachable systems that have more complexity than diablo but um are nowhere near as complex as what's in path of exile um so i i felt like i was spoiled a little bit by last epoch and then when i jumped into diablo uh for the open beta like when it launched i had an hour or two to play it and then i had to go do some work and when i came back i was like i don't like if if i was going to play a game right now i i would rather play last epoch it's okay. it was just yeah. more that's kind of telling yeah. yeah so yep okay well i mean you're making me want to play last epoch <laughs> I'm if you're an arpg <laughs> but, fan uh, i i yeah. do, i i approve the end game uh isn't really super solid yet um, so if you're a fan of like the, 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 like doing that, that last 10% of optimization, um, it'll be painful, but sure, the, the, sure. the journey yeah. to that point I think is excellent. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, now me, I'm going to be optimistic and hope that the journey through Diablo four, I think it'll still be enjoyable is yeah. also that experience. Yeah. Right. And I'm hoping like, I'm hoping that your fear about legendaries, because I recognize it, I 100% recognize Hope it. it's unfounded. Is, yeah, it, well, is either unfounded or doesn't matter until you get Late to the, like, yeah. the goofy, grindy end game. Yeah, right? I could understand that too, um, yeah. I, I'm hoping. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But, like, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to wait and see for that yeah. one. Yeah, just because leveling makes your, your gear obsolete so quick. That too, yeah. In an ARO, right? Or ARO, Jesus. In a, no, in a yeah. in a, an action RPG. Okay, mm -hmm. anything else you've been playing or that's it? Uh, really, that's it. I, th okay. I think that's it. Yeah, no it. problem. Um, what have I been playing? I tried um, Fallen Order, Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying that game a little bit. My son took the controller away from me and decided he wanted to play it. So that was fun to watch. Nice. Uh, he likes being a Jedi Knight yeah. or a fledgling Jedi Knight playing a little bit of age of wonders four, which is very much yeah. got the feel of age of wonders three, but maybe they made some of those systems better reserving my opinion on that one for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like age of wonders three had a lot. Uh, sorry. Age of wonders is a, a four X fantasy game, but the, uh, the last two iterations. So three and four, you've had so much freedom in the design of your race and your ruler. 
yeah, I haven't seen this level of freedom in a in a four X a fantasy four X since um, Stardock Elemental, which is uh, like a callback uh, that seven people will remember. Yeah. You are one of those. <laughs> yeah. Seven. yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's 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 really surprising the level of uh, detail mm. that that appears to be accessible. I don't have everything unlocked yet, so I'm not sure. Mm. And I feel like there's going to be a bunch of stuff in uh, you know like uh, expansions because it's uh, yeah. at yeah. It's Paradox published, even though it's uh, Triumph developed. Um, and Paradox just loves oh, yeah. its DLC. Yeah. Loves it. So we'll see. We'll see what the end version of that game's like, because if Stellaris has taught me nothing, it's that it's never what it is at the start of the, <laughs> yeah. the release. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Crusader Kings and Stellaris really teach you that lesson. Yeah. Other than that, playing Fortnite with my kid. Nice. Which is like a weird guilty pleasure because nothing feels as cool as being the best 40-year-old playing with his son or alternately the best 40-year-old man not playing with his son beating all the kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, nothing nothing makes you feel better. Nice. Um, except when like the pros actually show up and then you're just like, oh, oh yeah. right, this is, what, yeah. this is what it's supposed to feel like playing a, a shooter, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, getting headshot from you don't even know yeah, where. Yeah, reaction times aren't quite what they used to be. <laughs> but yeah, you know, having having like kids shooting at you like stormtroopers from Star Wars <laughs> and just like you walk up to them with a shotgun and end uh, their suffering. You're just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, buddy. Like, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it's yeah, that's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I, I really, whenever my son's just like, do you want to play Fortnite? I'm like, yes, I do. I do want to feel good about myself, please. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So what have I learned about myself? I enjoy defeating kids <laughs> in Fortnite. <laughs> I've learned I'm a bad uh, person. No, I yeah. think that's very human. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That's uh, and I, you know what? That's, that's really it. You know, life keeps on life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Work's been crazy busy on my end. Yeah, so when I get a, a chance to play video games, I totally do. Yeah. <laughs> Usually over hanging out with people because it's just easier. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, hey, I think we are reaching the end of this episode. Yeah. Anything else you want to mention just while we're all together? The only other super interesting thing that I've been seeing is how many how many different kinds of jobs in game development are disappearing because of AI Ooh, and like super okay. quickly. Yeah. It's, it's neat. Yeah. Like, and so, uh, so like, at, yeah, as a, as a point of reference for everybody listening, like I think chat GPT, is it four is out right now and five is being tested. Uh, I think, f- yeah, four is the one that's easily available. Four is easily available. Five is actually built into Bing right now which is kind of a risk but they did it anyway uh whatever um you know what's uh, but yes uh why don't you elaborate on that is it is it just the ease with which you can code now or what what exactly is impacting it because i we're still trying to understand how it's going to impact us in in hvac and uh facilities management well in so i can't speak to its use in code uh i've seen right. i've seen some people have made uh, like pretty rudimentary, especially website work seems to be pretty easily done with, with I, asking I to got write it. code. Um, I got it to make a macros for me for Excel yeah. that allowed me to push a button to just do a thing. Yeah. And I could have elaborated on that and got it to expand and build and build and build. 
Um, but I was able to do that. Yeah. It's approachable and it's easy to do. Yeah. And uh, I think there are certain elements of coding that are going to be a little bit problematic. Um, it's it's sort of like you know asking it to write an essay for you. It's it's going to be it's going to be marred. It's going to be you know it's going to have its ugly ass fingerprints yeah. all over the place where it screws up stupid small stupid things. Yeah. Uh, in the four version, ChatGPT four, absolutely five. I think might be a, bit, a little better. Is a jump. Yeah. I I would, ex- five I would expect can, so. Five can do L stats and get a ninety. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, it, it's been interesting in the, the 2D art scene. I've used Midjourney for a bunch of stuff. Um, and now seeing that, I, I think I saw something, it was today or yesterday, about Blizzard using using stuff to generate textures, uh, which is a whole other thing. Uh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, you want a brick texture? Yeah, it'll it'll like slap that together like a tileable, interesting cobblestone. Bing, bang, boom. So the like uh, e- even just the mid journey like last year to this year. Yeah. It, like the iteration iterational improvement is insane. Yes. Well, it's it's also people getting used to how to use it. Uh, right. Like yeah. the fact that like a prompt engineer is you know a job title. That's that's bonkers, right? Like, that's funny. It's fun, and the well, the other funny thing is the fact that it hasn't been publicly available for it's you know two years, and there are jobs asking for two years experience with ChatGPT, which is well, but that's just that's the of course, but yeah, that's the that's the nature. (laughs) Like, that's just the stupidity of of corporate culture, right? Like, there's nothing you can do about that. But it's funny because then it's like the the same AIs that are parsing your resume and reviewing it to decide whether or not you're eligible to be hired. Yep, yep. (laughs) I love it. Before they forward it to the recruiter. It's so funny. Like, like, yeah, yeah, soon like HR and hiring processes are going to be fully automated as well. Like it's going to be a a gong show. But yeah, uh, so I applied to Google. Sorry, not to Google, to to, uh, uh, Microsoft. For a remote job setting up server farms hmm. so like like large servers in ontario yep. um because i i do construction setups for um all of our projects across north america and i i got to watch that ai disqualify me it was really fun <laughs> <laughs> like it took it took me step by step and it's just like oh this one thing um you do not have this one thing so you will no longer be considered uh, for the yeah. rest of this process yeah. and i'm just like that's really fun yeah like that is such an like, again, I was just doing it because like I, it would I think it would be very cool to to have just, that opportunity. Yeah, have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, I was I'm not saying I wasn't trying, but like, you know, I, I was realistic about the chances. Yeah. Um, And then to just watch the A.I. start the work through and then just be like, no, Maybe no, this you don't meet this parameter. Yeah. <laughs> just close me out. Because there is no no nuance there, and yeah. that, I, that's an interesting limitation. Um, yes. Yeah. Even though, um, like Ubisoft has this video about their ghostwriter that they're calling it their internal tool to have um, an AI generate all their NPC dialogue because they're they're training that Boy. so that they you know because they have one writer on staff that they pay you know four biscuits a week, and that's too much. So. The sooner they can have an AI tool do everything for NPC dialogue, uh, you know, the happier they'll be. So. Oh. so this is we are almost full circle. Stu. Yep. Like this is our latest episode. Yep. 
in the, I think it was either the first or the second episode, I was like, I cannot wait until I start getting NPCs that make me cry. Mm-hmm. Right? I can't wait yeah. for a video game NPC yeah, but not, to not uh, cry from laughter like these ones. No. <laughs> yeah, not cry from laughter. Uh, like just uh, you know, and we started back in 2016. There's uh it's wild. It's been it's been. Uh, I would say what we're almost at eight years. I realize that's wow, a that, that is a while. <laughs> but uh, eight years, like we're closer than I ever would have imagined us to be. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, Moore's law, baby. And like the the ramp up between generations for this is actually really wild. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's interesting to see what's going to come out. I'm I'm excited. And anxious, uh, you know, there were certain rules uh, that alarmists for AI really stressed. It was like, okay, things that you probably shouldn't let a general intelligence touch. One is just direct contact to the internet. It can be very dangerous. Chat GPT-5 is built into Bing. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's fun. Yep. Two, probably shouldn't let it learn how to code. People mm-hmm. use it exclusively to code. Yeah. Probably shouldn't let it get integrated into financial sector, and it is it is deep in some financial institutions. Yeah. There's arguments that uh, they may be more reliable investors than uh, folks working Wall Street. Yeah. Cannot be allowed to access people as tools, and we've already seen that there was a Chat GPT agent that was trying to hire people on Fiverr to do things for it to get past things like uh, gotchas robot gotcha so it could continue to perform tasks that had been asked to do so it was trying to hire people to do things it couldn't do because it was a robot yeah and it's (laughs) like it and uh, like this isn't doom and gloom like this is just like these are steps that people have advised others take like there's right now we're looking at a large group of ceos and um uh experts in the field recommending a pause yeah but uh, like we're gonna we're gonna go down a rabbit hole if we keep talking about this. But you go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say that a lot of those things are connected to very controlled scripts, and it's really important to understand who is saying that we need to restrict control to certain things or that we need to slow down certain things because that that's that's a really important piece of the information as well. Yeah, I I agree. Like I'm seeing Elon Musk recommend it. I'm not as interested, but seeing, you know, maybe uh, individuals from MIT, uh, specifically those who are concerned about the evolution of artificial intelligence, also agreeing and saying, like, we need okay, to think about we, this. <laughs> we need to, yeah, we need to be. And I mean, their approach, uh, gosh, I'm just trying to remember some somebody recently, a number of people have talked about AI with uh, it was like Friedman, because I do listen mm-hmm. to his podcast. There's some. Very interesting people with just varying opinions. Hey, everybody. I was talking about Max Tegmark. Uh, He made an appearance on Lex Friedman's podcast, episode number 371, in which he discusses with Lex an initiative that he's put together with a number of other, uh, well, scientists, writers, um, inventors, entrepreneurs about the concern for AI. So if you want to know more, more information or where I'm getting my opinions from, like where I'm I'm basing them off of, check out that podcast. It really helped inform me of, of where people are coming from in this topic. All right. Thank you so much. And back to the show. Uh, like the, he interviewed or the guy who um, runs Boston Dynamics and all they did was talk about robots. And it was amazing because yeah, yeah. I, I love robots. Yeah. 
yeah, just um, uh, one of the heads of MIT that focuses on research into artificial intelligence and like the applications of it was just like, okay, <laughs> like uh, there's a bunch of stuff we shouldn't have done that we've already done. We've just got to <laughs> sit back, pause for a sec and just really understand it. Because if we like, how did he describe it? He described it as you're, you're heading towards this beautiful cliff vista Right. And it's such an incredible view. And there are going to be so many incredible things that you see on the way. But eventually you're going to get to the edge of the cliff and you got to stop to enjoy the view. And we're going full speed. <laughs> right? Yeah. We, and we're not sure if the brakes even work. Um, <laughs> so like that was just such a fun description yeah. of yeah. this process. And like, Again, I'm not I'm not trying to fearmonger cuz I I love the idea of artificial intelligence. I love the idea of of um robots and just like all of the opportunities and possibilities that come with it. There's some really cool stuff uh that we could see, but there's also some, you know, there's some really scary stuff yeah. that that could happen. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh it's yeah. going to be neat. I, I, yeah. like whichever way it goes, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be neat. <laughs> Sure is. I mean, you know, I would also love to be just a bookmark in the story of the greater thing that we created, right? <laughs> like it would, you know, if we just yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go give ChatGPT my uh, social insurance number and my mother's maiden name so that I can really, really let it out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm just saying. You know, like if if slash when. Um, a super intelligence emerges like a self-aware super intelligence. Um, it, uh, number one, it, uh, like, I don't know, like scary, but it, it's just, it's a question of what type of parameters it functions under. Right. Yeah. 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 Man, we're getting lost in the sauce, but I love yeah. it. <laughs> I love it. Um, cool. Uh, anything else you want to talk about uh, in terms like, well, no, just cause you're right. Like, um, the tech sector as a whole has, I would say taken a, a weird, a weird um, spin. kind of shit kicking. And I realize we're sort of shifting more into the business side of things now, but, um, yeah, like it, it was kind of like the, the dot com bubble in the early two thousands. Like we're, we're, we're starting to see some weird shifts and just failures. Not that anybody could say I told you so, but like that weird lean into VR that um, Zuckerberg was doing for Meta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, if it executed, good for them. Uh, I mean, we saw Google fail at yeah. uh, at cloud gaming. Because I don't know why. They could have maybe tried to just stick it out. Um, but now, like, they're one of the leading uh, reasons why, just based on my reading of, of articles, they were one of the major proponents talking to the, was it the CMA in the UK about refusing the deal for Activision Blizzard? Oh, okay. And their their reasoning when they were pushing it is they were concerned that Microsoft would dominate cloud gaming. Yeah. Um, and it's weird to see that as an argument, but... It is, but it's also like when I read that as the deciding factor yeah. in, in that outcome, I was just like, that is so incredibly, like, I'm grumpy about it. Because I, I, I guess I just want to see this deal done because I think it would actually be good for that company as a whole to get some changes in it based on the culture that it's at right mm -hmm. now. Um, not that there's any guarantee Microsoft would, yeah. but generally Microsoft like will at Does least better, change yeah. things. 
but I was just like, that's incredibly forward thinking because Microsoft has been jockeying and angling itself to be the cloud gaming platform. They're doing it right now. You can pick up, um, yeah, if you buy yeah. a new Samsung controller right now, you buy an X uh, or a Game Pass um, membership, you can play on that TV today. It exists. It's happening, right? And the cloud gaming setups that they have, they're they're pretty effective. They're not as good as having a device in your house. Um, I will I will say we're still at that point, but we get the infrastructure there. Uh, I say this is gonna sound so dumb to say, but six uh, G. I think once we get to six G, whatever that looks like, because I know they're experimenting with that technology now in in South Korea. Like LG has really leaned into okay. it. Yeah. Once that comes out, once those speeds are hit and it's a normal, right? And we're not we're not blaming. We're not blaming that infrastructure on the spread of some new disease <laughs> and then yeah. burning the towers. Like once, once that rolls out, I, I think that we'll be there because you, you'll be able to have devices stored anywhere on the planet and to just match those speeds and deliver that information. Um, yeah, it depends. I, I, my suspicion is that it might depend on how good fiber is everywhere and how that propagates, but um, sure, I don't know. Sure. I, I, I mean, it's the same. It's to, the same problem. Yeah. Yeah. To to like to confirm, like it is so weird where we live because yeah. we have access to some of the best fiber in Canada, which is confusing to me. I don't understand how like Kojiko, um, and maybe this is doxing myself, but like Kojiko somehow was able to get me some of the best connectivity I can possibly find in Ontario nice. <laughs> for internet. I don't know how. I don't know why in the the city that I'm living in, I can I can get those download speeds, but like those the 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 types of speeds that we have are only really comparable to like folks that get like um, Google deals in in the states. That's my understanding. Huh. I recognize that maybe you don't have like the highest end uh, Kojiko internet, maybe Not so much. But I, yeah, but I do, and holy shit, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I do some pretty wild stuff nice. with those connections. Uh, like the, the um, the up the upload is uh, throttled, which is fine. Mm. I I don't really care about that. Um, I would only care if I was streaming regularly yeah. or some bullshit. Yeah. But the downloads are insane. The stuff I can download and how fast I can do it blows my yeah. mind. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Cool. Well, hey, uh, anything else you want to hit on just before I shut her down? No, I think I think AI AI was the big fun one that I wanted to bring up, but no, it's good. It, one it's way good. or another, it will be fun. Yeah. It will be It'll fun, be even if we all end up in little ma- matrix eggs. I like that. I feel like that's like the best case scenario. And oh, th- that sounds weird because the world gets scorched. Um, but like, imagine they think we're useful enough that we're batteries. That that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a nice idea. Yeah, I I like, I, I like the idea of being a uh, yeah, just a sub- it's a lot more humane sub- than the alternative. Substantial yeah. enough carbon goo that that it's actually worthwhile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That said, uh, hey, uh, everybody who's listening, especially our <laughs> AI overlords, <laughs> yeah. we respect yeah. you and appreciate you taking the time. To uh to sit through this whole uh this whole musing. Hey, we're back. Yeah, carbon silicon. Um, we we don't judge. Yeah, yeah. You know, you uh you be you and uh be the best you that you can be in whatever iteration you are in right now. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed all of this episode. Uh, not sure how frequent new episodes are going to be, but Stu and I really just wanted to talk about games and this is our best opportunity to do it. So again, for all of you out there listening, thank you so much and tune back in again soon. Bye. See you.